to the Sustainalize podcast, Water Talk of Sustainability, which is a series of podcasts covering various sustainability topics. For the frequent listeners of our series, my name is not Nick Durantor, one of our partners that usually hosts this podcast. My name is Olivier Benz, and I'm a consultant at Sustainalize, and in the last few years, I was involved in setting up Sustainalize's presence in the German market. And today, we're standing here live from the Utrecht office living room. I'm joined, joined by my great colleagues, Johanna Harris and Denise Eersman. Johanna is usually located in our Brussels office and is our expert on the Belgian market, uh, while Denise is supporting Dutch clients and she has her eyes and ears on the Dutch market. As you might already know, Sustainline was founded more than 10 years ago in Utrecht by Eustace Cook and Nick Deranter, who were at the time colleagues at PwC. The history of Sustainalize has been one of expansions, not only in terms of the number of colleagues, but also geographically speaking, with the opening of our offices in Belgium and Germany. This is the reason for us sitting here today to look back and talk about experience in the BDG context. Johanna, you support Belgian and Dutch organizations in their journey to sustainability. Do you notice any kind of differences or similarities in the sustainability management of these organizations between the two countries? Yeah, sure. There are, there are quite some differences, I guess, but one of the most prominent ones, I would say, is the cultural difference there is between just uh, Belgium and the Netherlands, something that is very often underestimated, um, and how that translates, I guess, in the, yeah, in the sustainability management of companies is um, I, I guess Dutch companies are a bit more straightforward and they speak maybe before they act sometimes. It's a, it's a generalization, but it's that's that's the sense I guess I get. Whereas in Belgium, I think companies are very cautious in claiming things or stating things before they are 100% sure that they can do it or are doing it. or So they really want to have their research done so I guess a company in the Netherlands and in Belgium could be on the same position when it comes to its sustainability journey, but um, uh, Dutch companies are much more communicative, communicative about it, uh, whereas Belgian companies will wait a little bit more, be more risk-averse and more cautious in, uh, in how they communicate about it. Yeah, yeah that sounds very similar to, to German companies compared to, yeah. to the Netherlands. Danny, do you recognize what, what Johan has been mentioning? Yeah, yeah, I do recognize recognize it. I guess it's uh, it's a bit bit of what we're always saying about Dutch people, right? They're very direct and they they really really state their opinions quite uh, quite um, yeah quite statically. And I guess that also translates into businesses. So I I totally agree with what you're saying, and uh, yeah, I get the vibe. <laughs> and then Jana, do you see a different in terms of where the company? are on their sustainability journey, like if you compare it to other countries? Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's a, it's a fact that uh, in, in general, Dutch companies are a bit further ahead when comparing uh, Dutch and Belgian companies. Um, and I, I also, there, there are a couple of explanations for this, I guess, because just sustainability reporting in general has been, uh, I think, much more embedded in the Netherlands than it was in Belgium. Because there are initiatives here or here in the Netherlands, as such as the Transparency Benchmark, which really pushed companies to really many years ago already to consider 
uh, just sustainability reporting and being transparent about their sustainability information. Whereas in Belgium, it has only become, uh, I think, a requirement with the European legislation of 2017. So in that sense, Dutch companies were, I think, pushed a little bit earlier to really uh, start looking into this, to start communicating about it, and are now then further in their sustainability journey uh, in comparison to Dutch companies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Interesting. Um, and then, do you do you agree with what with Ivana that, that the Dutch organizations have a bit of a front uh, front runner uh, role? Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say so because indeed, when you look at it from a company's perspective, I guess I guess you're definitely right. But if you look at like the status of the, the, the Dutch country in general and how we act and, and our positions in the field of sustainability, we're, we're doing not so very well, actually, <laughs> if I can say so. Um, so I guess you're right with like the transparency benchmark pushing companies to, to, yeah, to promote and to report on their transparency, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the country on a, on a like global level is more better positions compared to Belgium or Germany on sustainability in that sense. Well, and I think that touches on a really uh, interesting point because also German companies are, yeah, are more hesitant, even if they might you know, be on the same level. They also look at the Netherlands as, oh yeah, they are really you know, ahead because they look at the reporting. But if you now look at yeah, the developments on, on a legislation, legislative level, then we actually see that, okay, Germany is also taking ambitious uh, steps uh, introducing a carbon tax really kind of closing that, that gap in terms of sustainability management if, if it even was there um, while still I think the communicative gap is still there because of the, the cultural context I would say, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. walking the yeah exactly yes <laughs> exactly <Talking> the talk. <laughs> um, but Denise so if we if we look to yes stainless has been in existence for 10 years you've been with stainless quite some years now do you see a change in how and on what topics we're, we're supporting companies over the, the yeah. past years? Yeah, well, good question, because I, I, I kind of touched upon what we've just been saying, because in, in the beginning, we, we, we have been helping companies a lot with their reporting. So that was kind of the main, yeah, the main thing we were doing and trying bits and pieces there to, to, to help them on their strategy. But you see that companies' questions are shifting, and they want more. Yeah, they, they move more towards creating a sustainable strategy, and therefore, yeah, we're helping more in that sense as well. Um, yeah, by helping companies to create their sustainable strategy, and you see, yeah, a, a bit. Yeah, you see that shift actually just in just in also in the kind of topics we get. Yeah. I see you nodding, Anna. Do you recognize that also from you know being in the Belgian market already also for quite some years? Yeah, yeah, completely. So what 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 I see uh, what I've seen happening it's it's been very interesting actually. When I started at Sustainalize in Belgium, the conversations we had or the the contacts we had at companies they were really the sustainability managers, communication managers, investor relations, and um, less so the the C level. It was more on an operational level, I guess. Whereas now, the, the past year or so, I would say that that has really shifted. So the conversation on sustainability or ESG are, are now really held at like the, really the, the, the C level of the companies, 
the uh, CFO, CEO, they are all involved and interested and want to uh, take, yeah, take a position and set up a strategy that integrates everything. So sustainability is not something on the side like it what used to be, I guess, a couple of years ago. So that's a clear shift that I see happening. And so at that time when you, because when you joined the Stainlines, it was also, you just had just started uh, to be active in, in Belgium. Was it also the, the approach you took, you, you, you address it through the, the NFRD at that time? So through reporting, was that the, the way you got into the Belgian market? And, and yeah, yeah I, I guess that in the beginning, that was really uh, what we were known for, for and valued for, that we could help companies with their uh, sustainability reporting, non-financial reporting, with all these elements that they had not even heard about. Um, and it was really more from a compliance perspective, I guess, for especially for the large corporations who really, from a legislative point of view, were required to report on this. Whereas now, a couple of years later, you see those same companies really now taking a strategic approach. And um, yeah, it's not compliance anymore. They really want to move forward, be front runners, and, and it's really great to see, actually. Yeah. Nice, nice, good to hear, obviously, yeah. and to see that, that this legislative change actually had, you know, an impact, yeah. impact beyond mere reporting. Yeah. We now have the EU Green Deal and the CSRD, another great uh, abbreviation from the EU. <laughs> and do you expect a similar, uh, you know, journey as we've had with the NFRD in, in Belgium? Also, I believe in the, the, in the Netherlands. Um, so for Belgium, I, I yeah clearly think so that this really has a, a huge impact on companies with the scope of the the NFRD enlarging so much towards the CSRD, for instance. Just to give an example, we we usually we sit around the table mainly with quite big corporations in Belgium, uh, whereas now we get calls from really more the SME side for, who fall under you know the the, the csrd scope uh, or, or who will fall under the csrd scope so really the smaller companies now are also realizing okay we really need to move along with this and on the same time they're with the more from the financial uh, community they are also uh, really pushing on esg matters and if they want to you know grow as a company and get credits or capital they will have to show really that they are also working on ESG so from that perspective you also see for smaller companies that they are really taking a stance on this and trying to figure out okay what does it mean for us where we want to go yeah I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying I do I do think that yeah what, what you, you your question was of course okay will this bring the same like change this, that the NFRD has brought, but I guess this change will be even bigger and even more impactful because it requires companies to report way bigger things and to actually show, okay, how are you processing and how are you progressing on the on the Paris Agreement, and are you are you are you capable of getting there? And it's it's way more in depth than the NFRD ever was. So let's hope. Let's yeah, let's let's think that this this will even bring a, bring about a bigger change than than before. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think I think it yeah, makes sense with what you're saying, and also yeah, I also recognize this from from conversations with with German organizations. I think I don't know to what extent that is plays a role in, in the Netherlands and in Belgium, but Germany have lots of these 
large family-owned businesses that, that basically are multinationals, but they didn't fall under the NFSB at that time. Mm -hmm. They were very hesitant to, to report. So again, maybe a cultural aspect. Um, they obviously get more questions from their from their clients, but now also, you know, that's that legislative push um, that they really have to, you know, think of, of how they, they address their sustainability and how they implement it. Mm -hmm. Nice. So definitely, like quite quite a lot of developments that you will see in, in Belgium and the Netherlands, and yeah, then also very interesting time. I think to be a part of all this sustainability community. Yeah. yeah, and to use our the experience that we we've, yeah. we've made in the, in the last years with the NFRB, but also before already to yeah to that approach. Great, great. Then yeah, we've already been talking about you know going forward the future. I mean, yes, Stainless has joined ERM about half a year ago, um, boosting basically our presence from, let's say, quite locally, so in Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, to, to a global footprint with presences on, on, on six continents. What are the topics that, that you couldn't support the clients uh, in the journey of sustainability previously? Um, that you think now with you know ERM's capacity we will be able to support them. Danique, maybe first. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess a big part of what we what we you know we weren't capable of before is is, is a bit more towards change management and engaging uh, employees and stakeholders in uh, in sustainability topics and conversations. And um, yeah, with the presence of ERM. Being a, a change management expert, this is way more. Um, yeah, we're better equipped to help companies on this, and I think you you see that becoming yeah a bigger issue, and it's also the the, the yeah why we did the the roundtable about this, and um, yeah, I guess that. And please, yeah, I I, I guess next to that uh, because we're yeah indeed we're mostly management consultancies, whereas ERM they're really in the the entire spectrum uh, that they also have a lot of really technical environmental knowledge so this is often where we have to you know step away and now we can just combine this expertise uh, in projects towards clients and really help with this implementation or with very technical elements where we don't necessarily have ex expertise on yeah. yeah and i guess also another point um because we have the experience of, of, of having a company in, in different yeah, in different countries, we also we are aware of these cultural differences between countries. So I guess that makes the, the integration between a between a, yeah between a bigger company uh, more easy because we are all aware. Okay, people might perceive things differently. People might value other things more. Um, so I guess we bring that as a, as a bit of our heritage to uh, to uh, to ERM in the next steps. Nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, from a German perspective, I also feel there's the, uh, the, uh, the environmental management system, so high support accountant, uh, UMA score, or maybe also um, coffee safety certification, process like that, that were usually we got questions from clients, again, from this German cultural perspective, okay, I want things to be certified, I want it to be 100% sure, um, I think these are also definitely aspects where we can use uh, ERM's capacity and knowledge. Well, great. Thanks very much for the both of you to take the time and to, you know, share your, your insights. Uh, thanks also to our listeners for tuning in once more.
And in case you enjoyed this podcast, maybe uh, one of our previous episodes, The Englishman in New York and How Sustainability Developments Differ from Geography to Geography, could also be of interest to you. It looks more towards actually future developments that we've briefly touched upon. Um, also, otherwise, join in the, the podcast that Denise just mentioned about the round table. And yeah, in general, please stay tuned. Uh, you can expect more podcasts from us on a wide range of sustainability related topics. And we'll see and uh, listen again soon.